Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. This was going to be our Rockets Thunder postgame show, but everything changed in a heartbeat. The Rockets and the Thunder, as you guys probably know that are listening to this, they aren't playing. Nobody's playing in the NBA today. This all started with the Milwaukee Bucks, who walked out on their game with the Orlando Magic uh, early in the day. Joining me is co-host and fellow H-Town sports junkie Stephen Kerr to discuss this. And Stephen, I don't know. There's so much to talk about with this thing. And I, I just uh, want to get your thoughts, first of all, on just this whole situation. And, and we can, we're going to get to actual game stuff later because there, there is some, some game stuff that's going to matter with all of this and, and sports that's going to matter with, with what happened today. Yeah, Robert, I don't know where to begin. This is such a complicated issue, and I guess this is one of the reasons that we just haven't seen the kind of change that I think we all want to see. And I, I guess, you know, my first reaction, well, I, guess, I mean, I've, I've had the same reaction for the last several months, but when, when I first watched what happened to uh, Jacob Blake, I just got so angry because I go, here, here we go again. How many more videos are we, am I going to have to see about this? How many more of these guys are going to do this and either not be held accountable or even if they are, you know, how many times do we have to go through this? And then, you know, LeBron James weighed in and then the boycotts took place. I, I just don't know what what is it going to take. I, I think the, the first thing I would say is that I can't blame the players for doing this. Certainly, you know, it, everyone is free to protest in, in some fashion, peaceably, of course. And this is their way of protesting. This is, this is kind of like, you know, they're, they are on a major platform. They're trying to make a statement. They, they want to make a statement, and this is making a statement. And they certainly have the freedom to do that. My only question, Robert, is, how is something like this really going to bring about the the change of social justice that is so needed in this country? I, I'm not sure if there's an answer to that question. Right. And I, I don't know. And, and that's a, that's part of what I wanted to ask you. Uh, and, and here's what I thought when I first heard about this. If the Milwaukee Bucks take what would have been a boycott of the game and a loss because it happened in Wisconsin, there were a couple of Milwaukee Bucks players that have been, you know, wrongly messed with by police, let's just say, because they were black. Mm -hmm. So it was very personal to them. It's it's happening down the street from them, uh, not too far from Milwaukee. So when you look at it, Stephen, if if it's just them, if it's only them that that do the boycott of the game and they take a loss and it affects their team and thus the people that root for that team in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin, I think it's a bigger statement. When everybody takes what, what it turns out to be not a boycott, but really it's a work stoppage because of this, I don't know if that does anything because it, it's not directly affecting the people in the state of Wisconsin, and it's not making the political leaders think, hey, our team just took a loss because – you know, this is affecting our team because they're taking a loss because we're letting stuff happen that shouldn't be happening in our state and in our area. So that's where I kind of felt like things might not be working as well for the end. I like the, I, you know, of course I'm behind what they're doing as far as, you know, the Jacob Blake and, and what happened to him. 
But right, that's right. that's what I'm not. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, I do, and and that's kind of where I'm coming from too. Is I mean, how is this going to stop police officers or, or you know anyone from from wronging someone that there's an NBA stoppage? How how is this going to stop it? Because look, we have had this issue for decades and decades and decades, and there have been you know probably hundreds upon thousands of protests over the years. You know, we had the the riots when the Rodney King beating in 92, and that was pretty bad. And and just all the other things before and since. And yet we still, every day now when I wake up, Robert, I, I hate to say it, but I'm like, all right, what, what am I going to see next about this sort of situation? And, you know, just for the record, you know, just like you, I'm a white person. So I, I feel kind of awkward, you know, even talking about this, but you know, because I don't know what it's like to be pulled over and, and be profiled per se. I, I do have a visual impairment, so I do know what it's like to be discriminated against. I do want to know what it's like to live with prejudice, but nothing to the degree that these guys have to, even if it's never happened to them. When you when you see someone like LeBron James come out, who is very visible, I mean, almost anybody would know who LeBron James is on site. When you, when you have players like LeBron James talking about how even he is afraid and, and he's afraid for his family, you know, that, that makes a statement to me. But I guess getting back to the root of what we're talking about is in the long term, what, the only way I think that real change is going to come about, and even then it may take a long time, is that the, these guys just need to repeatedly start being held accountable for what they're doing and not keep being treated that they are above the law that they're trying to enforce. That's where I think I have the major problem in that they're getting away with too much. And, and as long as they do, we can protest, we can boycott all we want, but nothing is going to change. I think it's important to note there's a significant, significant difference of what happened you know, with the situation with a couple of the Milwaukee Bucks players and what happened to them. But it, it it's about the results of the situation because – Look, uh, the reports are that Jacob Blake committed sexual assault. He was wanted by police. There was a warrant out for his arrest. Uh, as I'm speaking to you right now, Stephen, the last that I saw was that they're not even sure if these police knew that there was a warrant out for arrest. There was a, a scuffle, a situation in front of the house. So he's going back to his car. Yes, he should have stopped because of the police, but he should have been killed. He should have been shot in the back seven times. Uh, you've got his kids, his three kids, his three young kids are, are, are there in the car. It, it seems like there would be some other way to deal with this than to shoot a guy in the back as he's getting in the vehicle. You shoot out the tires. Repeatedly. Yeah. And, and you shoot you shoot out the tires or whatever. I mean, just as a just common sense would tell me, all right, police trained correctly would have something else that they would do in this situation. And you've got three, four or five police officers with guns around you know, what is he going to do that's threatening to them at that point? I don't know. Uh, but I just thought, you know, from from that circumstance, it's about the police. You know, people think, well, was this guy a bad guy or not? No, this is about the police. Their job is not to hand out justice. That's what our court system is for. And I bring all of that up because, you know, a friend of mine, you know, started to bring that stuff up. And I said, yeah, but you know, this is the, that's not their job. This is, 
you know, and, and you know, there, there's the thought of, well, we don't know what was going on, but it, it's pretty much on video what happened. And, and I don't see any reason how four or five cops with guns would have to shoot a guy in the back as he's walking to his to his vehicle. Why couldn't you have tackled him or brought him down or something like that? It seemed like there would have been a ton of other ways to handle the situation. And 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 that's where that's that's why we're in this Black Lives Matter movement. And I think people get stuff misconstrued of is the guy a good guy or a bad guy? That's a whole other story. It's just it's it's the procedural stuff with the police that's the problem. And that's why we are where we are. And and as far as your other question, Stephen, how does this affect anything? I, I really don't know. I don't know what changes anything at this point because it just gets done over and over and over again. And we've had so many protests in the streets. And when the police do this, they put, you know, the community's life at risk because there's going to be more protests. They put their own officer's life at risk. They make it much more difficult, their entire job, the job of other police officers around the country, because this spreads like wildfire. So, you know, you would think at this point they would be extra cautious about some of this stuff. But instead, it, we just see it over and over. And, and Jacob Blake's not the he's not the only one that we've seen since George Floyd. I mean, this is not the only one. We saw what happened in Atlanta. And there's been other situations one in Colorado and on and on and on and on. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head, Robert. And and look, I, let me just say this. I firmly believe that the majority of cops are good cops. I, I have known some police officers throughout my life, and they are some of the best people you would ever want to meet. They they want to enforce the law the right way. They are not bad people. They are not bad cops. Unfortunately, I think what we're seeing is we're, we're seeing the minority, a, a, a chosen few, well, not a chosen few, but a few bad apples. It's not, but this whole situation, as people, we've, I think it's been explained over and over and over again. It's not about good and bad cops. This is about training. This is about no accountability. This is about a system of issues. It's not good or bad cops. Well, a good cop is going to use good training in my mind. I mean, these guys that have been doing this, they have had a record that they shouldn't have even be on the force in the first place. I don't know about these officers in particular with the Jacob Blake situation, but that's kind of what I'm talking about is you're, you're good at what you do and you're well-trained. If, if you're bad at what you do, then you're not well-trained and you're going to do stupid things. And that's, that's kind of where I'm talking about there. And I guess we'll move off of, you know, from a, I don't know, everything is political now. So it's too bad. So sad. I'm sorry <laughs> yeah. for everybody that's listening. It's like, Oh, there we go. Yeah, it's gotta be sports is political. Guess what? If you brush your teeth in the morning, it's political these days. Live with it. And I hate it. Yeah. I hate it. I, I'm not going to lie to you. I hate the fact that we can't talk sports, that, that we can't talk about game five of this series, which is what we were going to talk about today. I would much rather be talking about that. But, but the fact is sports and culture or sports and politics are intersecting more and more, and it is affecting what's going on. In the NBA, you know, if you look at the last – few weeks this is their cause the black lives matter is on the court the players are talking about brianna taylor nonstop. um it's you know you see it on the uniforms it's everywhere so you know this is their cause like people you know i had the same person that messaged me today about the other stuff and it's somebody that Stephen, you and i both know very well i won't say the name but you can probably <laughs> guess who i'm talking about i think i do actually and, and so you know he said, well, you know, why aren't, 
they bad about this or that. No, this is this is their cause. This is what they consider. The, this is what they've been talking about nonstop. LeBron James has been talking about social justice, and the other players, Chris Paul. We I knew that as soon as this happened. There's no way the Rockets were going to play because Chris Paul talks about it all the time. And he's head of the Players Association. How bad it would, would it look if he's going to play after what happened in Orlando with the, you know, with the Bucks and, and all of that? And I, I, I think the other thing that I as I look at this and the whole Black Lives Matter movement is I think some you said, Stephen, like, what does this do? What what are players doing? How is this affecting things? Well, I can't tell you about this specific thing. But let's talk about what the NBA has is doing and, and, and is going to do going forward. They've opened up a lot of arenas around the NBA, including Milwaukee's. I think, I think Milwaukee's arena. I'm not sure, but I think potentially Milwaukee's arena. But Detroit, Atlanta, some of the other arenas around the NBA, they're going to be using as, as voting places because right. of voter suppression. Um, you know, potentially we might see that with the, you know, the Toyota Center in Houston. I, I would hope that we do. Uh, especially with COVID and having a huge arena like that uh, with a lot of entrances and a lot of space would be very helpful in this environment as everybody's about to vote in a couple of months. But the other part about this that, you know, as, as I think about it and, and you hear about what these players are doing is look, LeBron James and, and these other players are involved in, in this organization and I'm blanking on what it's called right now, but you know, they're putting, a lot of real time and doing real things with what they're doing. And it's not just LeBron and, and the school, but in Florida, you know, they, they made it to where uh, there was a vote by the people of Florida saying that uh, if you were convicted of a crime and you did your time and you're out of jail, you're allowed to vote. And, and then the uh, one of the parties that was in charge said, you know, no, we're going to, here's what we're going to do to stop that. We're going to make you pay all of these fines that were involved, uh, that you've had these back fines. And a lot of these guys in prison, they can't afford paying all these back fines to vote. And it's basically like a poll charge. This was in the old days, it would be called a poll charge. Well, LeBron and that organization with the NBA, I think it's called maybe vote matters or something like that. Something. Yeah. I was trying to think of it too. They're going to Florida and they're actually fighting that in court. They're going to try to fight that in court. And knowing that they, there's no way that they're going to be able to fight it in time for the election, they're paying off the fines of these guys so they can go vote, men and women, I'm sure, so that they can go vote. And so the players are doing stuff that's actually tangible, Stephen. Um, so, you know, I, I think they will look at this and they're going to look at this and figure out ways to do, do stuff that are tangible and I guess that's my last thought on it is like, yeah, they, they are doing stuff that is tangible, even if you think this is just symbolic and it doesn't do anything. Well, and, and I agree, Robert. And I think this is one of the reasons, too. And the, the, the fact that the NBA is supporting this and, and even supporting the boycotts, it, I, I think it demonstrates, again, that in my mind, at least, of all the major sports, the, the leadership of the NBA has this figured out. You know, the NFL has, has been late to the party on this whole issue and, you know, Major League Baseball, there, there hasn't been a lot on that front. The NBA has, in my mind, handled it the right way. And it's certainly in, in this particular issue, in this particular instance, they are handling it the right way. And look, for a lot of these guys, it is personal. I mean, when you, as I said earlier, when LeBron James comes out and says even he is fearful, th this is personal for them. So, yes, they absolutely are going to want to do something more than just, 
you know, whether it's kneeling for the anthem, boycotting games, they're actually going out and trying to make a difference. I, I applaud them for doing this. I, I applaud the whole thing. And I have no problem with it. And look, as much as I would love to watch Game 5 or any sports, they absolutely have the right to do this. And I can't say I blame them for choosing this as a method of whether you call it protesting or trying to, you know, trying to accomplish something and, and bring about real change. This is what these guys are doing, and I can't find fault with it at all. We can also contrast this with the NFL, and let's see what happens. But, you know, Dan Snyder, what a last month it's been for Dan Snyder. You know, now there's videos coming out or supposed videos that uh, that he had been getting of the cheerleaders um, and, and, you know, and, and all of the stuff that's happening over there. Is, is he going to get kicked out of ownership? We've seen you know, when things have gotten real bad with the Clippers and then the NBA that Donald Sterling was out. Now the NFL sort of pushed Jerry Richardson out the door, but he was about to go out the door anyway. He was an older guy, Dan Snyder, younger guy, and and, and, and the stuff's building up on him. And the other thing, Stephen, about that is that the NBA, it doesn't seem like they're waiting for public opinion when they boycott, protest, when they come out and speak. They speak first about what they feel, and, and there's no fear in that, whereas some of these other leagues, you feel like both players and management, specifically management, um, there, there is fear of that. You know, immediately Doc Rivers or Greg Popovich or Steve Kerr are going to get into a, in front of a microphone and say, this is not okay. But I don't know if we're, we see that as much and say, well, the NFL is, you know, that, that's the, they're, they're the real litmus test if things are going to change. Well, it, it's called decisiveness, Robert. They're being decisive. They're they're making a decision. They, you know, it's they don't care what other people think. This is what they're about. You know, and and sometimes not everybody's going to like it. But you know what? That's too bad. That's the kind of confidence that you can do. You know, a, a real leader, I think, has the confidence to step out and say, you know what? This is how I feel. I'm going to say what I think. You can either like it or lump it. And that's what a lot of these guys are doing. And then and and the NBA in general at the way they've taken control of it and supporting it, they're being decisive in their actions. And that's the difference, like I said, between them and some of the other major sports and how they're handling it. Now, we don't know when and where the Rockets are going to, well, we know where they're going to play again uh, if they play, but we don't know when the Rockets are going to play. But this is huge, Stephen, for the Rockets. This actually benefits them as a basketball team because Russell Westbrook, who wasn't going to play in game five, he gets a longer time to recover now. Well, he certainly does. And, you know, that's one of the things I thought about is it, it look, appears that he's on the road to coming back. He's been working out. They, they haven't given a timetable for him. But, you know, if this goes on for several days, you know, a week, who knows, uh, then absolutely it would be an advantage to the Rockets just as and, and again, we don't I, I, I don't say this lightly by any means, but just as with the Astros. You know, the, it, it turned out not to be the case after all. But when the shutdown occurred, it benefited that Justin Verlander would be able to come back once they started up again. Well, with the Rockets, maybe the same thing could be true and get Russell Westbrook back. And maybe it'll take some of that momentum that the Thunder had away from them because they clearly had it going into game five. You have a few days to kind of divert attention from something else. Then it could change the scope of the whole series just on that on that front. The other story with the Rockets today, as you and I are speaking, 
Adrian Wojnarowski reporting Rockets coach Mike D'Antoni in the final year of his contract will be an Indiana target should he become available, sources tell ESPN. And I don't think a report like this leaks accidentally. I think that they know Mike D'Antoni will become available. And I'm wondering now, you know, is, is Mike D'Antoni, is he about to coach his last few games in, in Houston if, if he doesn't get his act together really soon? Because, you know, it just seems like the, the writing's on the wall for him. And, and barring a major run here, and, and, and I, frankly, I don't know about you, I'm not seeing it at this point with the way James Harden and the way Mike D'Antoni are coaching and playing. Um, he's gone. Robert, I think the only way that you could even have a conversation about keeping D'Antoni, the Rockets have to win the NBA title, period. That's the only thing that's going to save him in my mind. Look, when you come into the season, uh, before the season starts, and you don't offer him a new contract, how much more of a telling statement can that be? Because if you really have confidence in the coach, if you really feel like he's moving the team forward, you're not going to hesitate. You're going to do that during the offseason. Regardless of, you know, they, you get deep in the playoffs or what have you, you're going to give him a new contract. The fact that you don't speaks volumes. So in my mind, if and certainly if the Rockets exit in the first round, I don't think there's any question about the fact that Mike D'Antoni would be gone. And the fact that it's Woj who's coming out with this, he's a very reputable source. I, I would trust him over uh, quite a few other sources, you know, in NBA or any other sports publications, you know, CJ usually gets it right. So I, I would go with Woj for sure on this. Yeah. The other thing that I was thinking about, I guess the last bit I, I have, and maybe you've got uh, some other angle on this, but the only other angle on the Rockets not playing and, and this series being delayed, you would think this would help the Rockets, not just because Russell Westbrook is trying to come back, but because, the Rockets are one of the older teams in the NBA. I mean, if you look at the guys that they're playing, P.J. Tucker's playing a lot of minutes. Uh, Harden is in his 30s. We forget. he's. I think he's in his 30s now, right, Stephen? Yeah. Yeah, he is. And in fact, the, the average age of the Rockets is 30. I believe it's 30.1, whereas the Thunder is like 25.5. So the Thunder, definitely a much younger team. But yeah, the, the Rockets definitely have some veterans. You know, there there are some who haven't even played at all, and they're in their late 30s. So, yeah, the, the age factor could be a difference. And, you know, getting those few days of rest to get your legs back under you, especially from some of the guys like P.J. Tucker, who played a lot of minutes, and he's been banged around a lot, too. How many times have we seen that uh, shoulder that he's had a problem with be worked on on the sidelines during this series? So you may have a point, too, Robert, is it just from a health standpoint, not just with Russell Westbrook, but some of these other guys that have been uh, banged around a bit in the series or have just played a lot of minutes kind of get their feedback under them a bit. Yeah, the other guys, uh, Covington, House, Rivers, uh, you got some guys in your mid-20s. But Jeff Green, he's in his mid-30s. Uh, ben McLemore, also mid-20s. Some of that age of the roster, you, you said it, it's skewed by you know, Tyson Chandler, somebody on the bench. But still... Uh, two key guys, James Harden and P.J. Tucker. It's a big deal. And, of course, we cannot forget the legs of Eric Gordon. <laughs> I mean, yep. it seems yep. like that would matter for him as well, not to mention, you know, the guy that we 
you know, started the whole thing off with, with Russell Westbrook. So, well, I don't know if it's going to help his shooting touch because it seems like the, the delays he's had haven't really brought it back as far as shooting his threes are concerned, but yeah, the ankle, the legs, I mean, he's looked pretty solid going to the hoop, you know, for the most part. So it seems like the, the ankle injury has cleared itself up, but uh, yeah, it just remains to be seen how, what, what kind of momentum is this going to give which team, you know, the Rockets, the Thunder, and any of the other series that, that may be delayed for a few days or however long this is going to go on. That's the other intriguing issue here. Yeah, the bad news for the Rockets also is that uh, if you look at the rest of the Western Conference, the Clippers have kind of got their act together, it looked like, after the the Luka game. Although, you know, it, it still could go the distance. But the, the series that you're looking at, if you're the Rockets, because you're facing the, the Lakers Blazers winner, the Lakers have taken total control. Uh, they look to be the Lakers that we saw during the other regular season, the one a few months ago. So, I, yeah, I, if I'm looking at what's going on right now with the Rockets, it, it turned on them in a heartbeat because early in the series, you thought, well, the Lakers are struggling a little bit against the Blazers, or at least they lost you know, one game against the Blazers, and the Blazers are playing well, and the Rockets you know, have tightened up the, their defense in a way that we hadn't seen in a long time, and, and they seem to be you know, all on the same page, and everybody was doing what they were supposed to be doing. But then in the last, you know, few days, it's all changed. Well, and, and the health of Damian Lillard is probably going to tell the tale of that series now, especially. But, you know, the Robert, the good teams are the ones, I mean, it, it's, I don't think any team can play a perfect 48 minutes, but it's, we talked about this the other day. It's about focus and, and consistent focus. You know, the Lakers got down one game to none, but they came back, you know, the, the Bucks, they got down one game to none. They came back that. The good teams know what it takes to go the distance. And it's just something that I don't feel like the Rockets have figured it out yet. You know, they look like they're going, they keep teasing us with maybe they figured it out, but then they stubbed their toe two games in a row. And now we're back to a dead even series that could go either way. And the, the Thunder take a 3-2 lead, then the Rockets are really in trouble. So it's a matter of focus. And and the good teams like the Lakers, you know, like the Bucks, they're, they're going to be the teams that I, th- I still think are going to go deep and and might even you know be in the finals when it's all said and done, even though they did stumble a bit going into the bubble and then even going into the playoffs. But it just remains to be seen. But the, the Rockets just need to figure that out and have that consistent focus. Should be interesting. Like, we have no idea when we're going to talk to you again. I mean, I don't, I don't know when that's going to happen. But, uh, <laughs> you know, st- uh, keep an eye out for the Rockets. Keep an eye out for us. We're, we're going to continue to do the post-game shows. Uh, it's possible that if there's a game on Friday that we might delay what we talk about till either the next game or a couple of days from then, depending on Steven and my schedule. So uh, keep an eye out for that. But uh, as always, just uh, send us your feedback, suggestions, questions, topics, Twitter and Facebook, uh, email at info at HoustonSportsTalk.net. Please like and share our material. Uh, Be safe from this uh, well, we got a hurricane now coming through the area. so Yeah, especially where you are, Robert. I'm in Austin, and I know you're in the Houston area, and there's a lot of folks you know, that listen to us that are in the Houston area too. So we definitely want you to be safe. One thing I will say real quick before we wrap up is be sure and subscribe to our podcast because that's the way you know when the next episode comes up. We're on, I believe, all the major platforms, right, Robert? I know we're on Apple Podcasts because that's what I listen to. Uh, just about every podcast catcher has Houston Sports Talk on there. So Subscribe to us, and that way, when the next episode comes, it'll pop right in your feed, 
you won't have to go looking for it. Yeah, just uh, keep listening. But with the hurricane coming and obviously we still got a pandemic going on, I'd like everybody to, you know, as we always say at the end here, stay healthy and safe, everybody. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.